Welcome to HealthCom Central, where we unpack theories and frameworks that can help you create more effective communication to improve both health outcomes and health equity. I'm your host, Karen Hilliard, behavioral scientist and longtime communication practitioner. If you're looking for fresh approaches that get real results, you are in the right place. So let's get started. Hello, HealthCom nerds and HealthCom novices. Welcome to HealthCom Central. The episode that you're listening to today was recorded in the lead up to the official debut of this podcast. And during the time that I've been working on getting this podcast ready for launch, it's been a rough few weeks in the world. I hadn't initially planned this topic for one of the first episodes because I'm really eager to lay out for you some of the more important health behavior theories and frameworks, the ones that I think are really foundational to health communication work today, social marketing, behavioral economics, systems thinking, design thinking, and social determinants of health. Those are sort of the pillars for HealthCom Central. But given what's happening now politically and judicially and its potential impact on public health and how we're all feeling about it, I am turning to a communication framework today that I would have gotten to a little bit later in the podcast. And that's what we're going to talk about today, because I think it may be something that you need right now. It's called the Spectrum of Allies. And if you're engaged in health equity work or you work on any issues where people are polarized or divided or emotions are sometimes running high, using the spectrum of allies can be an extremely effective approach. And that's because major social movements for things like justice or peace or equity or healthcare rights rarely work by overpowering opponents. Instead, they work by shifting support out from under the opposition, moving people just a little bit closer to your position. And that is really what the Spectrum of Allies framework is designed to do. So Spectrum of Allies is really an audience segmentation framework. It is where we identify whether groups of people or organizations are allies or opponents on a particular issue. And then we tailor a message or intervention designed to move them just one category farther on the spectrum. So we want to move active opponents to become passive opponents. We want passive opposition to be moved to neutral, neutral to passive ally, passive ally to active ally. And the thing is, you don't have to radically change attitudes. You just have to move people, not even all people, just some of the people, a little bit, just one notch or one segment over. So in other words, it's a process model that is very similar in concept to stages of change or diffusion of innovations, where your objective is incremental change in attitudes, and that's going to reduce hostility and opposition to your message and increase support. And it's an approach that can work on members of the public or decision makers. Like the change conversation cycle that I mentioned in episode one, The spectrum of allies also comes from politics, but it's actually an even older and more proven strategic process than the change conversation cycle. The spectrum of allies framework is from the civil rights movement and from the larger world of nonviolent social change. And it was specifically a tool that was used in the 1960s by the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee, 
S-N-C-C, which is also known as SNCC. That's the way you pronounce it. And you may know about one of SNCC's most famous leaders, the late Congressman John Lewis. Let me tell you a story about how SNCC used the spectrum of allies. And then we're going to talk about how you can use it too in your health communication work. But first, I want to pause for a moment and I want you to think of a visual of what this spectrum of allies looks like. Now, you're going to find some links and a graphic in the episode notes, but I know right now as you're listening that some of you may be driving or exercising and can't look. So I'm going to describe it to you and I want you to picture it in your head because it's pretty simple. So imagine the top half of a pizza or half of a pie, basically half a circle, and it's got five slices. And those five slices are labeled from left to right, active allies, passive allies, neutral, that's in the middle, and then on the right-hand side of the spectrum, passive opposition, and then active opposition. So got that image in your mind? On one side, active allies. On the other side, active opposition. And then the other stuff in the middle. Okay, so let's go back to SNCC. SNCC was, as you may know from history, up against some very powerfully entrenched racist beliefs, attitudes, and behaviors in the South as it tried to work for desegregation and voting rights for African Americans. SNCC knew that they needed more allies, especially among white Northerners. And a lot of college students in the Northern states were sympathetic to the cause of civil rights. They didn't need to be educated or persuaded, but they did need a way to get engaged or invited into the movement to move from being passive allies to active ones. But how? Well, we're going to come to that in a moment. Now, a second audience that was important was that a lot of these white college students in the North also had families and friend networks who were not actively engaged or directly impacted by what was happening to African-Americans in the South and maybe weren't even really thinking about it. These networks were neutral, they were uninvolved, but it was possible that they could be converted from neutral to passive or even active allies. But again, how to do that? So SNCC made a strategic decision to move each of the groups along the spectrum of allies. So first, they thought about how can we create an entry point for sympathetic Northern college students? And they did that with the Freedom Summer Program, and they brought busloads of students to the South to assist with voter registration. The things that those students witnessed in response to people simply trying to exercise their right to vote, lynchings, police violence, angry mobs, it really galvanized those college students. It turned them from passive allies to active allies. And then they were ready to organize and take action for civil rights after Freedom Summer was over. In an era before cell phones and when long distance calls were very expensive and kind of rare, the way those students kept in touch with the people back home during Freedom Summer was by writing letters home to their parents. Their parents now, as they received those letters, suddenly had a personal connection to the civil rights struggle. They shared those letters that the students wrote with some of their friends and coworkers, and those parents, those families, those friends and neighbors 
started to become passive allies, not neutral anymore. They weren't directly engaged in activism, but they were supportive of it. Then the students returned to school in the fall, and because they had really been radicalized by what they had seen, they started organizing on their own campuses, shifting more and more people in the direction of support for civil rights. What happened as a result of this strategy was a dramatic transformation of public opinion, politics, and society. SNCC didn't overpower the racists. They didn't end racism, but they shifted support out from under the people who were the active opposition to civil rights. And it was not spontaneous. It was a deliberate movement strategy. It's a strategy that we can replicate in public health, whether we're addressing something like the built environment and its impact on health equity, or we're making a case for something even more polarizing, like the idea that abortion care is health care. Now, I hear you saying, well, that's all well and good, but we are in public health. We can't advocate for anything political. But I want to push back for a moment on that notion. We are advocating every day in public health. We are always making the case, using evidence, for what will result in the best health outcomes, the most cost savings, the greatest equity. Sometimes those are individual behaviors that we're advocating for. Sometimes they're policies. And some of those issues at the intersection of health and public policy have resulted in things like seatbelt laws and childhood immunization requirements. Not everybody agreed with those policies in the beginning, and not everyone agrees with them now. But public health campaigns have shifted public opinion so that a majority of the public is on board with wearing seatbelts and immunizing their kids. We can argue our points with science, but sometimes we also have to take strategic action to shift public opinion with our messaging. And sometimes it's that shift in opinion that drives policy change. We can really take any issue for which there are interventions or campaigns and some differences of opinion and say, okay, who here is the active and the passive opposition? Who are the active and passive allies? Who is not engaged or ambivalent? And then we can think about how to move them just a little bit closer to whatever the public health position is. What the Spectrum of Allies model really helps us do is be much more effective in choosing tactics. We can look at all the slices in that half pie spectrum and say, which slice do we want to target next? And how can we move them one step closer to what we want them to think, believe, and do? There are five segments in the spectrum of allies, and there are also five steps to try the spectrum of allies segmentation for yourself. So let's talk about these five steps and the five segments. Okay, again, the five segments. You've got the active allies, who are the people that agree with you and are already fighting alongside you. You've got passive allies, who are people that agree with you but are not yet doing anything about it. You've got neutrals who are unengaged and possibly uninformed. You've got passive opposition. Those are people that disagree with you but aren't actively trying to stop you. And you've also got active opposition, people who not only disagree with you but are actively organizing against you. And think about it. On almost any 
issue, you could probably name these groups and put individuals and organizations into these categories. All right, so this is step one of the five-step process I'm going to talk about. You want to set up the half-pie drawing and the five segments. Step two, you're going to list out all the people and groups that belong in each segment. You want to be as specific as possible. You want to keep saying, can we be more specific here? You add adjectives, add qualifiers to the groups. So, you know, in the case of SNCC, not just college students, college students in the North, not just college students in the North, but college students in the North who don't have to work this summer and are available to get involved and so on. After you've filled up these categories, you want to consider what the interests, values, and needs are of each of these groups. What do they care about? Write it down because that is how you're going to find a way to choose a tactic that will really resonate with them. Step four, based on where a group is in the spectrum of allies, you want to consider the recommended strategies for each segment of the spectrum. Those are in some of the visuals that I've linked to in the episode notes. But once you see these strategies, you're going to then brainstorm tactics. And, you know, certain strategies are important at certain points. For example, you need to provide opportunities for passive allies to get involved. You need to inform and win over neutrals. You need to not provoke passive opposition to take action. And in fact, you want to give them some opportunities to change their position. Those are just a few possible strategies. Again, check out the link in the episode notes and you'll see even more ideas. Step five. Choose the tactic that you're going to work on next and then do it. For example, SNCC could have provided a whole lot of different ways for college students to get involved. They strategically chose to involve them as eyewitnesses, and then they came up with the idea of how to do it, Freedom Summer, bringing busloads of kids to the South. Spontaneous change would have been slow and pretty uncertain, but deliberate strategies and tactics are the foundation of creating change. So again, the five steps. Number one, set up your half pie drawing in the five segments. Number two, list out all the people and groups that belong in each segment. Number three, list the interests, values, and needs of each group. Number four, consider the recommended strategies for each segment and brainstorm some tactics. And number five, choose the tactic you're going to work on next and do it. If you've gotten to this point, you may also be thinking, wow, I don't know. The active opposition is really angry. They're really hostile. They're really entrenched. But the good news here is that in many cases, you don't actually need to move the hardliners at all. As long as you move others just a little closer to you, you can tip the balance of public opinion. Think of it as a a scale or a seesaw. If it starts out evenly balanced and you move a few folks just a little closer to one side than the other, it's going to tip. That's what you're going to do here. You just want to move people a little bit. Let me give you a couple of rules or guidelines to remember here that will be very helpful to you. First of all, you want to think about the big picture, the long game. You want to look at all the segments and figure out where your best opportunity for movement is going to be right now and then create tactics that are going to resonate with that group. You don't have to do everything at once. You don't have to move everyone at once. You don't have to move people very far. This is all about incremental change. Another thing is that 
while you want to support the allies that are closest to you, the active allies, don't get too comfortable in that space and spend all your time preaching to the choir. You've got to get into the other segments and help them to move over just a little bit. Another thing is don't allow yourself to become self-righteous about your beliefs. Not everyone who disagrees with you is a villain. Not everyone who disagrees with you is part of the active opposition. Given long enough, given the right situation, anyone is a potential ally. So be open to that. At the same time, you don't want to become obsessed with the opposition and waste your energy getting wrapped up in details of what they're doing. But you also don't want to cut them off. Cutting them off, which I'm seeing a lot of people talk about on social media these days, unfriending people, refusing to engage with them, doesn't give you any chance to move them just a little. The rule here is be soft on the person, hard on the problem. If you can build a relationship and diffuse people's beliefs just a little bit, you may get them to move from active to passive opposition. And that's a win. Last word of warning here. Don't focus on speaking truth to power and think that you can win over the active opposition by being the loudest voice in the room or educating them or lecturing them on morality or compassion. You are not going to win that argument. Your goal is to shift enough people so that public opinion and policy tip toward you. And the easiest people to shift are going to be the people on the ally side and in the middle. But you need to think about your message and your tactics very strategically. This kind of social movement work, this kind of work to bring people over a little closer to your side is very challenging work, but huge changes can result. If you want to practice just a little bit, what I recommend is to try doing a spectrum of allies segmentation chart using an issue that you're already familiar with and that you know about just through your everyday life that's at the intersection of public policy and community health. So maybe it's some of the things I mentioned earlier. Maybe it's seatbelt laws or immunization. Maybe it's building sidewalks to make neighborhoods more walkable. Maybe it's taxes on sugary drinks. Build out the spectrum using some of the diagrams that I've linked to in the episode notes and consider what strategies and tactics have been used by people successfully or could be used. You may have some ideas too. Once you've mastered it with one of these issues that maybe is a little less polarizing, try it on an even tougher issue that we're facing right now in public health. And then let me know. Find HealthCon Central on Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn. Send me a message. Let me know how you think the Spectrum of Allies framework could help you segment audiences on whatever issue it is that you care about, that you work on, how it could move them closer to your position, the public health position, on an especially tough issue. I hope that this has been a practical introduction to a different way of thinking about your audiences and thinking about changing their attitudes, beliefs, and behaviors. We'll be back next week with more theories, frameworks, and practical help on the health communication work that you do every day. In the meantime, we're trying to get this podcast off the ground, and I want everybody to know about it. Whatever podcasting platform you use, please go and rate and review HealthCom Central. That's the way people are going to find out that we're out here and get this information that they can put to work for themselves. We'll be back with another episode next week. In the meantime, stay safe, stay science-based, and despite everything that's going on, 
Have a great week. See you next time. If you enjoyed the show, please take a moment now to leave a rating and review. Be sure to subscribe to HealthCom Central on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you have friends and colleagues who should be part of our community, please share the link.